Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, everybody. We've got a great episode for you today. It's a very bird's eye view topic, but I think we're both very excited to talk about it as well. <laughs> Absolutely. This is definitely going to be one of our more theoretical episodes. Yep. Not a whole lot of cards and decks in this one. Today, we're going to be talking about our strategic plan for Commander. And we tried to crowdsource the assumptions on which it was based. Yeah. We talked to people on Reddit. We talked to people on Tumblr, Twitter. We tried to get as many different perspectives as we could, but there's still a possibility that we missed some things. So let us know. This can obviously be improved, but we think it's a good starting place. And we really want to have this conversation about Commander's competitive position within the field of formats. Yes. Before we jump into it, I want to talk about our Patreon. Mm-hmm. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and access cool rewards for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. And with that, let's jump into it. Yeah. One of the most important elements of this plan and the thing that has been the most difficult to figure out and which I am still not certain of Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is how to measure success. Yeah, this is a very difficult thing to gauge. I think this is one of the reasons that these conversations can be so hard. Yeah, there's some elements of the plan later on that I'm way more certain of and I feel really confident about. This, I don't know. I really welcome any input that you listeners may have. One of the issues with the current structure of commander's leadership is that we have no way to measure whether the decisions being made are having a positive or negative impact on the format. So the rules committee made no ban list changes from the beginning of 2018 through the middle of 2019. And every time they did a ban list up, they would say like, commander is in a great place right now. We don't need to make any changes. How are they measuring that? Is it just their Twitter feed hasn't been very noisy lately. Yeah, I I think that that is literally a a lot of it. It's like people aren't screaming too loud right now. And then they made three changes at once with the July 2019 ban list update. Mm -hmm. And how are we going to know if the changes improved Commander or if the laissez-faire approach that they took before that was was the better approach? Yeah. We don't know. There's... At this point, no way to tell. (laughs) Figuring out a measure of format health that we can use to gauge the impact of big changes, I think that's really important. Yeah. And it's a very hard problem. (laughs) So we asked a whole bunch of people about what they thought the best metric was, and we haven't settled on a single one. We're going to list out a bunch of different metrics and talk about what the pros and cons of using that metric are. Yeah. And I don't know if the best thing to do is like have some sort of composite measure where you like put different weights on a bunch of different metrics and use that but the problem is then it's not very intuitive yeah and you can argue all day about like what the weights should be but we'll jump right into these we welcome your feedback yes definitely one potential option is straw polls on twitter or like surveys like the the recently released annual commander climate Mm -hmm. survey Mm -hmm. the pros of this one are that you can be like very specific in the questions you're asking you don't need secondary measures it's direct you are asking the players a question about the health of the format and potential changes and you're getting an answer there are a few cons like subjectivity Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a pretty bad one and just like who are you polling how did they find the poll it's probably going to be the most enfranchised players that can lead to like some skewed results perhaps people who are the most upset about something yeah so it might magnify a voice that might not necessarily be indicative of the greater player base something like that absolutely i think that if i'm really happy with how the format is I'm a lot less likely to take the time to fill out a long survey (laughs) as opposed to someone who had Paradox Engine in four decks and I just lost over $100 in card value Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I am pissed. Yeah, yeah. And and, I mean, we know that that happened. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it was bad for the format. And that's kind of what we're saying. Like, there's no way to gauge like whether that was good or bad at this point in time. And this like poll isn't necessarily going to show that all the way. There's also some security issues. Mm -hmm. There are workarounds for this, but Mm -hmm. just the existing 
measures, the existing Twitter polls, the existing yeah. survey, it seems like you could pretty easily game them if you yeah. had something to gain or lose by a decision going one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Like for the, the annual Commander Climate Survey, there were only 10,000 respondents. And that's a lot. That's like a good chunk of data. But it's also like how expensive would it be to like scramble your IP a bunch of times. Yeah, make a bot or something like that. Yeah. And if someone is already in that market, I don't think it would take too much. And so if you're like a speculator who buys up a bunch of biorhythms and then games the system <laughs> to like push the, you know, there's a danger with that metric. What's another metric we could talk about? Yeah, so this one, uh, kind of speaking of speculators, this is secondary card prices for commander staples mm -hmm. or secondary market prices in particular. So there are some pros for that. I mean, one of them is just like, you can kind of see in some kind of quantifiable means what the demand for a card is. So Oracle Moldaya has only been printed once and is off the charts expensive, that usually means that people want to play it. Yeah, it's in 14,000 decks on EDH. Right yeah. Now. It up today. This metric, like looking at the secondary market, also gives you kind of an idea of like what real decks are being built. So when you look at Crucible Worlds and it's been reprinted three times and it's still 20-something dollars, you know people are building with it, you know people are playing with it, and you again, you can look at EDHREC, you can look at the numbers, and you can see that, like, oh, this matches up with the price, basically. Yeah, the price of staples might be a better metric, in fact, than decks on EDHREC. Yes. Because I don't know about you all, but I build a lot of commander decks yeah. online <laughs> and i i build a fair amount but definitely not not all of them not all the ones yeah. i'm putting up there the criticism is that edh rec may be filled with all these decks that people aren't actually making whereas like if oracle moldaya is 35 dollars, it's because people are buying oracle moldaya. yeah what are some of the cons if they get worse at reprinting cards and card prices inflate over time then the format might look healthier than it might actually be. Like if they never print Insurrection again and all of a sudden Insurrection is pushing like $20, $30, $40 in like three, four, five years from now, that's not necessarily because like lots and lots of people want to play Insurrection. That's just because they never printed it yeah. and something it, like that. If people are getting priced out super easily, that's not healthy. No, that's that's actually worse for the format if people can't buy cards to play with you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> In the same vein, like the converse of that is that Wizard solves the reprint crisis and all of a sudden cards uh, drop in value. You can get an Oracle Moldai for $5 and all of a sudden the format would look less healthy because all these staples are very easily accessible. Yeah, demand is definitely a useful metric for determining like the health of the format. If there's a lot of people demanding cards, it means a lot of people are interested in it. Mm -hmm. But demand is only one aspect of price. Mm -hmm. And if there's changes in supply, then... Changes a lot. The secondary market is very volatile, and that's kind of the last point. Like, it's very vulnerable to market manipulation. So if someone has, like, a buyout on something, and all of a sudden this staple just gets astronomically expensive like there's things like that that can happen to throw things off so magic at this point is being treated in a lot of ways like stocks but mm -hmm. has none of the protections that the stock market has in place mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah i want to bring up an example so like ragnar is a legend from legends mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he's very bad white blue green for a 2-2 legendary human cleric and he has white blue green tap regenerate target creature mm -hmm. that card is like not good by any metric the only place you could imagine it seeing play is commander because he's a legendary creature and he's 28 dollars it's 28 dollars that is clearly the result of reserveless speculation yes. i'm going to get my hands on every, any reserveless card i can because they're only going to go up but that's not a good metric of actual demand because who would want this card? To kind of bring that point home, like there's lots of cards that are like that. There's lots of cards that have spiked in recent years because Solely because of, of market manipulation, speculation. Mm -hmm. And so that makes that one... A less valid metric. Yeah. I've got another metric for you. This is pre-con sales. So sales of the annual pre-constructed commander decks. Mm -hmm. And one of the pros of this is that it's a pretty organic metric of player interest in commander. Yeah. Unlike format staples that might be speculated on 
or might be being used in other formats. Like I've seen modern decks that use Oracle of Moldiah. Yeah. If you are buying a Commander Precon, true name nemesis aside, you're probably planning to play Commander. Yeah. Yeah. You want the Commanders or you want the Teferi's Protection or mm -hmm. the Blade of Cells. What are some of the cons of Precon sales? This comes down to Wizards and like the design and like the MSRP and a lot of the things that we as a community control. Like mm -hmm. if the designs are really good, the MSRP is reasonable, the card value is reasonable, people are going to pick these up. They're going to buy them. They're going to want the cards. And it'll be like a very good metric of like, oh, no, this is cool. Like people are buying this. We had them do like four print runs, five print runs, something like that. But last year, but last year, uh, they <laughs> increased the MSRP mm -hmm. and they did not increase the card value mm -hmm. commensurately. Yeah. And at least one of the decks was very poorly designed. Yes. I mean, they never like released their sales numbers. But when they talked about it, you could tell that it had gotten a lukewarm response. Yes. And that's unfortunate because, like, Commander is still grown over this past year. Yeah. And, but and you wouldn't know it from looking at the sales trend. Yeah. And the actual Commanders in those decks were awesome. Like, mm -hmm. we got so many good Commanders from yeah. those decks. The design philosophy behind those decks, I am 100% behind. They were all about mm -hmm. filling in archetypes that had been unsupported prior mm -hmm. to that point. And I really hope that they continue to do that going forward yeah. and don't take the wrong lesson from the the middling response. Yeah, yeah. Because honestly, like, if anyone from Wizards is watching this, like, thank you for doing it. Like, we thank appreciate you. those decks a lot. Yes. Good job. Yeah, yep. just don't put vanilla creatures in your deck. Yeah, no, more, no more French vanillas, even if they are 15-15. We got more metrics. Yeah. The amount of commander content being produced as a percentage of all magic content. Yeah. So the pro to this is like, seems like a decent proxy measure for interest in the format. Yes. If people are like spending the time to produce it, you assume that there's a market for that content and yeah. like there are eyeballs that want to see it. The fact that there's so much commander content nowadays mm -hmm. is kind of a sign that there's that much commander interest in some form and that that kind of proxy measure gives you some amount of data mm -hmm. that that's something that's useful uh what are the cons yes so i mean uh, based on the vague terms that we're using it's incredibly difficult to measure mm -hmm. <laughs> like two months ago we had seven commander podcasts and like multiple youtube channels and now we're down one youtube channel and like one of the podcasts only put out like one episode in that month or like how do you even also just like <laughs> yeah also just like categorizing videos like yeah. like if you have a channel that's dedicated to commander okay you that's that's pretty helpful yeah. you can count that really easily but if you have a content creator that is like produces videos on all sorts of subjects figuring out which ones are about commander you'd have to like work with YouTube to set up an algorithm yeah, or something. something or it's like, are you going fixed. based on recommendations? If I watch a bunch of commander videos, like how many videos are getting recommended to me? That yeah. recommend? It seems really, really difficult yeah, to and, quantify. Yeah. And also like there are outside incentives too, because like there, if ad revenue becomes like more easily available to content creators, then people are going to do that let's say card kingdom ends its sponsorship program tomorrow mm -hmm. there's going to be fewer content producers mm -hmm. and it has nothing to do with any decision the rules committee made or, or the health of the format so this one is a uh, deck diversity mm -hmm. do you want to talk about this one a little bit yeah so this one it'd probably be quantified as like the flatness of distribution of decks for different commanders on like edh rec mm -hmm. so basically is there like 10,000 Krenko decks and then the next highest Mono Red Commander has like 100 decks? Or is it like pretty evenly distributed, like a long tail? Yeah. If decks are more evenly distributed among different commanders, it means you're seeing like a lot of variety in the games you're playing mm -hmm. because like almost every commander leads to a different deck. Yeah. And that is like a good metric of format health because it's like this is the gameplay we want to see. Like one of the fundamental purposes of commander is to create variance in gameplay that's why it's 100 card singleton for yeah. example 
that is a cool metric. It's definitely something that we want to optimize for, but it's not a perfect metric for the health of the format. And why, yeah. why is that? I mean, the really big point is it just doesn't tell you how many people are playing. Yeah. Like, just because we know that there are a lot of viable decks and that deck diversity is good, that doesn't mean, like, everyone is playing all those decks. In the same way that if someone posts, like, their Gargos Hydra's deck online, that doesn't mean they actually are playing it. So that's true. Like there is that problem of representation and like what is EDH rec actually measuring? Is it the physical decks that existed in the world and are getting played every Friday night? Or is it just like the product of a diseased mind who <laughs> spends way too much time building commander decks? <laughs> who yeah. knows? Who knows? All right. Similar measure card diversity. Yes. So this is another good measure of like how interesting the gameplay is. People get bored of seeing like Cyclonic Rift in every single game. Oh yes. But if there's a really diverse card pool and commanders are enabling cards to enter the format, like Arcades Sabbath bringing a bunch of crappy defenders into the format, you get to see new cards every game. Every game feels fresh and different. But it kind of has the same problem in that doesn't tell you how many people are actually playing commander. Yes. Yeah, you can look and be like, oh, okay, like a lot of different types of cards are being played but who even knows who is playing them mm -hmm. <laughs> like there's just no number attached to it all right just got a couple more metrics average length of games meaning like if a game is too short it's probably not a good thing yeah. maybe <laughs> if a commander game is ending on turn four i mean some people do like that yeah but many people in the format want to feel that they have done something in a game yeah. commander. And then conversely, like games that go too long can also be kind of a grind. Like yeah. it's, it's not super fun if you clear your evening to play commander games and you get one game in because it's three hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that like directly translates the quality of games into a metric. Mm -hmm. But what are some of the cons associated with it? One of the cons is that just not all long or short games are bad <laughs> like sometimes like a game takes like a half an hour and everyone at the table was like dude that was crazy mm -hmm. and you all shuffle up for the next game or whatever and then sometimes like i've definitely played long games like games that were like three hours long where at the end of it everyone looked at each other and was like that was incredible mm -hmm. <laughs> just like the back and forth the like Everyone was doing something. All the things were yeah. turning. Someone was winning, and someone else was winning, and then someone else came up from behind, and then all this like, those long games are memorable and not always bad. So yeah, if everyone is winning at some point in the game, it was probably a good game of commander, yeah. and that matters much more than the length of the game. Yeah, exactly. So that's one of the points is that like just getting the right length, like figuring out what the healthy like length of time for a game is is very difficult to like determine and there's also some more technical bits of this do you want to get into that so i assume that you would be pulling data from like magic online commander yeah. games mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because collecting data for in-person commander games seems basically impossible <laughs> so you'd need to work with wizards to get this data it is proprietary they could just say no and there's yeah. nothing you could do about it yeah another issue is that if you're looking at average length of games, like that could be a lot of long games and a lot of short games being averaged out to make it look like, oh, it's all really yeah. healthy. You got to think really careful about like exactly what you're, you're asking for. Yeah, this is kind of gets to a point that we've hit on before in some other podcasts, like how you interpret the data is very important too. Like, I think if you take anecdotal evidence with like this uh, wizard's data, and like kind of look at it against each other, you can get some very good points to gauge the health of the format with. But who and how is interpreting the data is very, very important. You, mm -hmm. Like Nick said, you can't just average it. Mm -hmm. You can't just uh, look at the outlier. Like you, you, it takes like someone who knows like what they're looking for to be able to process these statistics. So this final metric for determining the health of the format is number of commander games played on Magic Online. And the pro is it's the simplest and most direct measure of how many people are playing commander. What do you think the con about this one is? Well, like the previous one, this also requires partnering <laughs> with wizards to get the data. Yep, yep. And then it could also be impacted by wizards shifting focus towards other digital products. Yes. So it really seems like they're investing a lot less money in Magic Online and a lot more money in Magic Arena. Yeah. And so if the player base on Magic Online is just 
gradually being leached away and going to Arena, then it's going to look like Commander is getting less popular or Commander is less healthy when that's not really the case. But the same number of people are playing like in-person games mm -hmm. or maybe even more. You know what I just realized, though? If Magic Online gets cheaper because everyone moves to Arena, but Commander players and Vintage players are the only people left... Basically, it would become Commander Online <laughs> because it would actually be a cheap format. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's still pretty cheap case. online. It would be pretty cool if Wizards were to like invest more money to basically say that these are the formats you are playing on Magic Online, and if you're trying to play any other format, you should probably play Arena yeah. instead, and then customize it for that. Like, yeah. the UI for Commander on Magic Online is not great. If you don't already know what every single card does, it can be kind of overwhelming to see those board states. And it's like, you just see like maybe the first word of each card's name and and the art. Yeah. And like, you have to know what it does from that. Yeah, exactly. And like, that's really intimidating. Yeah, I play a commander on Cockatrice every now and then with some friends. And it's the same kind of thing where mm -hmm. like, if you don't know what a card does, it is just God awful. Cause mm -hmm. you're like, okay, wait, what card did you put in your graveyard? And then you have to look at it and go, Oh no. Like, and then mm -hmm. you have to look at another card and be like, Oh no, these work together. Like it can just be a lot. There's definitely a better way. I guess overall, some combination of those metrics will give you an idea of format health. Yes. And it's probably going to be better than just how loud is my Twitter right now. But I think that some sort of agreed upon data source is necessary in yeah. order to, to evaluate the effectiveness of the decisions that are being made. Because if you're not measuring it, if you're not actually determining whether you were right in making the decision, mm -hmm. then you, you could be harming the format and have no idea. And mm -hmm. that's not ideal. Yeah, no one wants that. That is probably like just a necessary change that needs to be made. Yeah. Some sort of way to give the rules committee a report card or judge the effectiveness of decisions. But let's talk about the long-term view of Commander. Mm -hmm. I really want to talk about what changes need to be made for Commander to ensure its long-term health. Yes. To figure out what the next steps should be, it's useful to look at Commander as a product. So Magic players, they've got a finite amount of time, they've got a finite amount of money, and all formats of Magic are essentially in competition with each other for mm -hmm. these scarce resources. Yep, yep. If Standard is really bad for the moment, people will move to Modern. If Modern sucks, people will move to Standard or whatever. I'd argue that Commander doesn't compete very directly with most formats of Magic, whereas like Modern and Standard, they're both tournament formats. Competitive, you know kind of what the metagames are going to be. Yeah, and also like 60 cards, four ofs, mm -hmm. all that stuff. The Commander definitely doesn't seem to be competing in that exact same yeah. space. It's a multiplayer format. It's played outside of tournaments. That really sets it apart from Standard, Modern... Yeah legacy vintage yeah most limited environments yeah yeah <laughs> but there are some other formats competing in the the social multiplayer space yes yeah so we want to take this time to kind of suss out the similarities and differences between those i'd say there's two real competitors we've seen other competitors in the past that have kind of fallen by the wayside so in previous years, like there was Tiny Leaders that yes. got a little bit of energy. There's also Brawl, which although it's got some significant differences from Commander, it is also a casual multiplayer format built around a single character. Yeah. It's singleton, a lot of similarities. Yeah. And then the newest one is Oathbreaker. Yes. We've talked about it on the show before, but if you're not familiar with it, it's similar to Commander, except you're with a 60 card deck. You are using a Planeswalker as the head of your deck instead of a legendary creature. Yes. You have a signature spell in your command zone that you can only cast when your, your Planeswalker is on the battlefield. It has a slightly different ban list, but for the most part, it's pretty similar to Commander. I think that Oathbreaker is probably the most likely competitor for the space that Commander is in. It's mm -hmm. the, the biggest threat to Commander's market share. Yeah. Oathbreaker, it's definitely nowhere near as big as Commander is. Yeah. The Oathbreaker subreddit has a tenth as many subscribers as the EDH subreddit. And the number of decks on the Oathbreaker EDH rec page are two and a half percent of <laughs> the number of Commander yeah. decks. But the pace at which it's grown is pretty impressive. Like 
a couple months ago, nobody had ever heard of Oathbreaker. Mm -hmm. And it's only around the release of War of the Spark that it got all this energy and attention and went from like, what is this format to? It's got a subreddit with thousands of subscribers and its own EDH rec page with thousands of decks. So that is a pretty big jump. And I think that's what makes it such a big threat. Honestly, if I was trying to unseat Commander as the king of casual multiplayer, mm -hmm. I would make a lot of the same decisions that the founders of Oathbreaker made. Yeah. And I also think that they've kind of changed a little bit of the design philosophy with Planeswalker so far it means that they're a lot better suited to be heads of decks. So I think over time we're going to see more and more interest. I, I definitely agree with you. I think yeah. that pre-War of the Spark, Planeswalkers as commanders was like not that interesting because yeah. there just weren't that many designs that would make for good commanders. I would say like a vast majority were just very boring value decks. Yeah, but if you listen to our uh, War Planeswalkers as Commanders episode, most of those 37 legendary Planeswalkers <laughs> yeah, yeah. make for good commanders. Yeah. If M20 is any indication, that's kind of the direction they're going to be going mm -hmm forward with yes yeah, so we we will find out but i think oathbreaker makes some improvements over commander yes it really seems like the designers of oathbreaker were trying to take the best parts of commander and then fix the things that commander players have been complaining about yeah. but which <laughs> the rules committee has neglected to address they're taking the many many archetypes of commander they're taking the singleton deck construction the multiplayer gameplay the color identity restriction character driven deck building yeah character driven deck those are all huge. positive qualities of commander that you can get from oathbreaker mm -hmm. and then the things they changed are they've got a more consistent ban list they've lowered the life total to make games a little more faster paced and they of course have allowed you to play planeswalkers like the the marquee <laughs> story characters you can now run them as a leader of your deck and I'd say that Commander's biggest advantage over Oathbreaker is just the fact that it's already so big. Yes. The fact that just Commander is kind of this like monolithic thing kind of meandering forward. I think it is going to succeed in spite of itself in a lot of ways. And it has. Because it's got the momentum behind it. Like if you want to play Commander, you can go to any card shop. Mm -hmm. You can go to any Magic Fest. Yeah. It's so easy to find people. And of course, if you want to consume Commander content, there's this podcast and that's it. There's a lot of content out there nowadays. But it's worth mentioning that those are not stable advantages. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They're solely dependent on the context. Yeah. They're not inherent to Commander. And if Oathbreaker or another Challenger format that's coming down the pipeline, if those Challenger formats were to become more popular, they could steal that advantage. And then suddenly, wow, it's really hard to find commander people to play against because there's so many Oathbreaker players at this Magic Fest or at yes. FNM. We're going to compare this to Brawl as well. And there's many reasons we don't think Brawl competes in the commander space. And mm -hmm. in fact, we talked about Brawl when they announced it. We talked about how it's probably a good thing for the format. And so what we're going to do right now is kind of compare these similar formats to each other. Talk about the side by side. Yeah. yeah, look at them side by side and examine what commander can do to build and maintain an advantage in a field of just like growing player base and growing a competition because there's probably a format like you said that's coming down the pipeline that no one has heard of right now that hasn't maybe even been invented that will pose more of an existential threat to commander and the the leaders of the format need to be thinking about that and like how do we shepherd this format and ensure that it's the number one choice for social mm -hmm. multiplayer play. Mm -hmm. We're just going to be talking about Commander, Oathbreaker, and Brawl and comparing their advantages. Yes. So one big advantage that Commander has is it's got a large community. It's relatively easy to find other players to play with. It's currently difficult to find games for Oathbreaker. Yeah, it's very, very hard. And for Brawl, it's difficult to find IRL games. When they add 1v1 Brawl to Arena, it's going to be a, a little bit It'll easier. It'll be a little easier. I don't know if we're going to see that many games that like LGSs. If they do a really good job with these Brawl decks, maybe. But I, I don't foresee a future in which IRL Brawl takes off in any appreciable way. Okay. But I think how Commander can maintain its advantage is just by eating potential competitors by addressing <laughs> player desires. Like mm -hmm. if players ask for something and you think it doesn't hurt the format, like Commander can't be everything to every person. 
but it definitely has some wiggle room in what it can be. And if yes. players are asking for something, you should probably think about addressing their concerns if there's not a good reason not to. Yeah. Some examples of that would be like some of the uh, CEDH communities been talking about certain bans and unbans and stuff like that. So like if they mention a card um specifically like flash which kind of seems like has like the most momentum, momentum behind, behind it and a majority of people in the world don't care about flash mm -hmm. like they look at flash and go why would i want to do that that doesn't seem like too big of a compromise yeah to like keep these people playing yeah there have been people talking about like CEDH should just go off and be its own format and make its own ban list. But why would you choose to create a competitor when it's so easy to just take their energy and keep it for yourself? It's like Kodak being like, <laughs> this is a film company. <laughs> why are we going to invest in digital cameras? Yeah. If you can capture that energy and that interest and that potential competitor, you should do so. Mm -hmm. And then also similarly, like, Allowing planeswalkers as commanders. Yeah, you would probably have to ban a couple of them. Yeah, honestly, we've done this thought experiment with multiple friends multiple times. There's a less than a handful of them. Um, there's not many that are actually as busted as people say. Yeah, <laughs> and, and just think, if they had allowed it during War of the Spark, would we be talking about Oathbreaker today? Absolutely yeah, I don't think not. So. Yeah. Like they would have killed it in the crib because all that potential energy going towards, I really, really want to play this Planeswalker as my commander. It's like, oh, I can do this in this format I already play, which there are a million other players playing. Yeah. With with cards that I own, I don't need to like make this other deck and find these new people. I could just get to show up to the card shop and be like, hey guys, I made a Nissa deck. Yeah. I think if... There are going to be other easy changes that they can make in the future as other like player needs pop up. I mean, consider it carefully, but if there's little cost to doing so. Exactly. Like definitely, we're not saying just like acquiesce to every demand. We're not saying that at all, but we are saying like keep your ears open and if you go, "Oh, that doesn't actually impact people that much." Why not? And we are saying ban Flash, Sheldon. <laughs> that is something we're saying. So the next thing is rotation. This is a really, really quick one. So does Commander rotate? No. Does Oathbreaker rotate? No. Does Brawl rotate? Yes. So what can Commander do to maintain, maintain that? that? No changes required. All right. Large variety of archetypes. For Commander, yes, they have very, very yeah. many. Oh, yeah. Hundreds, hundreds and hundreds. Hundreds, yeah. Oathbreaker, although the number of Planeswalkers is smaller than the number of legendary creatures, like the signature spell makes it so it's several orders of magnitude yeah, it's, more options. It's a decent amount of mix and match there. Yeah, so tons of options if you're interested in Oathbreaker. Brawl is limited by the number of Planeswalkers and Legends in Standard, so it's yeah. never going to be anywhere close to what's offered by Oathbreaker or Commander. But how can the leaders of Commander build upon that advantage? Just allowing Planeswalkers as your Commanders, like we're going to keep saying, just if you let people play with the cards they want, they're going to continue playing your format. Yep. Another one, huge variety of different cards played. So not the archetypes, but the cards themselves. Mm -hmm. Commander, probably the biggest viable card pool of any format yep oathbreaker close but it's limited by the fact that with a 60 card deck you just have fewer slots you don't have to go as deep the card pool is still very large but um, you're just going to see fewer of those cards played. exactly where commander you have a bigger deck there's more more cards you gotta fill in you're going to see more variety than in oathbreaker in brawl it's limited by the standard card pool so, so no. they will never be able to compete yeah nope never on that axis Here's an advantage of Commander. Mm -hmm. You have the opportunity to connect with your favorite characters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This one's good. There is a slight difference between Commander and Oathbreaker. The difference being, like, with Commander, of course, you're only able to connect with the legendary creatures that you love. And Oathbreaker, you can only connect with the Planeswalkers that you love. With Brawl, there's no issue. As long as they're in Standard, you can build around yeah. whatever named character you like. And then how can Commander make it easier to connect with your favorite characters? Hey, you know, maybe Planeswalkers as Commanders, you just get to build with the cool things. So like uh, Ashiok is a really awesome Commander. Uh, they're a non-binary character. They're like spooky goth person. That's awesome. Uh, if you want to build around Ashiok and Commander, well, you know it right now, screw you. Mm -hmm. 
But if you allowed Planeswalkers to be commanders, then all of a sudden you could make your cool, like, goth EDH deck and kind of utilize this character that you might like a lot. And that's awesome, because you should be able to do that. <laughs> and, and I want to make it clear that we do speak from experience mm-hmm. when it comes to Planeswalkers as commanders. Yes. I have built six Planeswalker commander yeah. decks. I've built a few, but only played two of them so far. Pretty much all of them have been, like, fun, and the power level has been comparable to what you would see from just legendary creatures that get printed. Some of them I took apart because they were a little too weak, botly. Some I took apart because they were a little too good for my meta, but that's the same with any legendary creature you Mm -hmm. build around. The only inherent property of Planeswalkers that makes them a little less fun as commanders is emblems and ultimates yes that can sometimes create an issue because like your opponents feel like they have to deal with it but a lot of planeswalkers especially like the war of the spark planeswalkers don't have emblems or backbreaking ultimates yes which makes the gameplay really fun and it makes it so that your opponents don't go like well i guess i have to kill like angrath Mm -hmm. they go like what does he do he amasses okay last advantage that commander has Precons? Question mark? Yes. Oathbreaker? No. And and Brawl? Soon. Yeah. Communicating like the community's expectations to wizards? Helping wizards help us? Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing that Commander needs to do in this case. Because we already have Precons. They're going to do it. They know that they're going to make at least some money on them. It's really the, okay, you're going to make us Precon. This is what we want. How do we make sure you know what we actually want if they have to increase the msrp because they've been making these decks for seven years and there's been cost increases okay that's fine i believe you but it costs you nothing to print an oracle of moldiah over a zendikar incarnate yeah so (laughs) just make that swap and nobody will complain about your decks yep exactly so now we get some disadvantages here we're going to shift our focus from like how can Commander maintain its advantage or build upon that advantage and to how do they mitigate this disadvantage that they might have. Yes. Steep learning curve. Would you say Commander has a steep learning curve? I would say yes. Yes, it does. There's a huge card pool, 100 of archetypes, multiplayer politics, if, yes. which if you're not prepared for, can be like mystifying and very difficult to navigate. Yeah, and also that's... An- access that most magic formats don't have Mm -hmm. they just aren't building on there oathbreaker though does i mean oathbreaker has a decent amount of those things there's the huge card pool there's the many archetypes archetypes, all that kind of stuff still multiplayer Mm -hmm. what about uh our good buddy brawl you still have to learn multiplayer politics Mm -hmm. but the number of archetypes are significantly limited compared to the other two formats Mm -hmm. the card pool is way way lower yes it's standard yeah it's standard card pool so if you play standard and move to brawl like you're going to know all the cards already it's really just i have to figure out how to make these people do what i want (laughs) so how can commander mitigate the disadvantage of a huge barrier to entry promote brawl so like brawl is a perfect on-ramp to commander it gets people acquainted with like the rules and like the multiplayer politics that are kind of like a through line into Commander. Mm-hmm. And then because Brawl is a rotating format, let's say you build a Brawl deck you really like, all of a sudden it's going to rotate. You're going to miss out on this character that you might really like now, but you can just turn it into a Commander deck. Yeah, you just add... I don't know, 14 lands and 26 spells, and now you've got a commander deck. And you're good to go. So really, like, Brawl has a lot of advantages that it can offer to commander if it gets proper support. So that's something that I I think we both think should happen to promote the health of commander over time. Yeah, and that's as simple as just messaging. Like, if the rules committee makes it very clear to wizards that they want brawl to be an introductory platform for commander then they can do things like ads for commander precons in the brawl precons mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or just like when they write articles about brawl on the mothership talk about and this is how you would convert it to a commander deck yeah. once it rotates it's really not that hard it's just a matter of words it doesn't really change the format but it could just be like a natural pathway to get players into the format that's relatively low effort yes difficult to stream or create gameplay content. Yes. Would you say that's true for Commander? I would say that's true for Commander. Mm-hmm. Would you say it's true for Oathbreaker? I would say it's true for Oathbreaker. Mm-hmm. How about Brawl? 
No, especially when it goes live on Arena, which will be 1v1, to be mm-hmm. fair. But the fact that it's on Arena, the th- fact that it's on this digital platform that is more or less made with the intent to stream, mm-hmm. to be flashy and kind of streamlined, means that it'll be very, very easy to produce gameplay content for. God bless the Command Zone <laughs> and, game, and nights. game Nights. Yeah, But... It's a studio, basically. Yeah. That's the barrier to entry to, like, <laughs> to make good Commander content is, like, they have a team of editors. They have, like, all this equipment. They have a, a space to record in. The end product is beautiful, but the amount of work that goes into it mm-hmm. is incredible. And if you look at, like, Commander gameplay videos that just use Magic Online footage, like, th- that is not oh. a very dynamic, no. like you have this board with like dozens of objects and this like (laughs) tiny like centimeter by centimeter part will turn (laughs) sideways and that's to indicate that you're getting attacked for 20. It's not cinematic but arena is. Yeah arena is and what I was gonna say that there is content using Magic Online that is good so I'm specifically talking about like the uh, vintage Super League or like the modern Super League the Super League in general and a lot of the reason that it's good is that you're watching really like fun players playing and the commentating is very good mm-hmm. it's not necessarily that you saw someone pay like 18 life with uh Yagmos bargain or something like that it's that like the commentators and it, it, they make it exciting yeah and, and i should clarify like for people who make commander gameplay videos using magic online data like often they do have like great rapport yeah with exactly. the people and they are often very entertaining but just in terms of like what you are watching on the screen like the pixels being displayed (laughs) that's not what's providing the excitement yes the ability to get actual good gameplay videos very difficult that's going to be a problem that i think we'll have to develop for every other advantage or disadvantage that we're talking about today we had like some suggestion for how to maintain it or improve it we don't know how to fix this problem yeah this is a big one so this is hard it's a hard one but if you have ideas, please let us know or mm-hmm. please let Wizards and the Rules Committee tell everyone. If you have good ideas for how to solve this, the world needs to know. The world needs to know. Be the hero we all need. Next thing, cost. Especially nowadays, Commander, I would say, has a high cost. I think that is absolutely fair. When we started playing in the yeah. format, yeah. you know, 10-ish years ago, mm-hmm. you could build a very good deck for $100. Mm-hmm. And these days, the $100 is like a budget deck. And Commander's Quarters, who had made his name with $25 decks, was recently forced to increase his budget to $50 because of the increasing cost of Commander Staples. Yeah, so Commander has a high cost. Like Oathbreaker, yeah, it has a high cost. Slightly less than Commander because you're only building a 60-card deck rather than a 100-card deck. Mm -hmm. But it's significant. It's, it's got all the same problems. Pool. Yeah, yeah, similar card pool. How about Brawl? I know this from experience because I did make a few Brawl decks when it came out. It is significantly less than like a competitive standard deck. So like, let's say a competitive standard deck is, let's say it's $200. It is going to be much less than that because maybe you only need one Arclight Phoenix. Mm-hmm. So that's $20. Mm-hmm instead of the $80 for yep. all four of them or something like that. So Rare lands. You mm-hmm. don't need a playset of them. Yeah, exactly. So just the overall cost of a Brawl deck, it reminded me of when I was buying Commander decks back 2012 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Like just You go into the junk rares, you pick out 50-cent rares, and your deck is done. Yep. There's not an easy way to mitigate <laughs> yeah. Commander's disadvantage yeah. because it's not within the Rules Committee's control. Yes. The only thing that really they could do is just keep open communication with Wizards. We know... There is a member of the RC who works for Wizards. We know they all communicate with Wizards in some form, so there's not really much they can do about it. Just continue to advocate is a reasonable expectation. And actually, this is something that not only a rules committee can do. You, you listening, if you advocate, if you be like, hey, I've been playing this for a long time, or I haven't been playing that long, and it's getting hard to have friends play this game with me like wizards is obsessed with growth and increasing the player base and like i am too like when i have more friends that want to play magic with me heck yeah that's like the best all right here's a better plan instead of telling wizards that you want them to reprint more cards you should buy hasbro stock (laughs) and become an activist shareholder next one games going long 
how would you say this is represented in Commander? When I was asking about like disadvantages of Commander, what are the things you don't like about Commander? This came up a lot, actually. which surprised me. Like, yeah. it's not something I think about that much, but no. clearly players are concerned about it. And I would attribute it to the fact that in Commander you have 40 starting life. That's just a lot of life to get through. It makes it so that you have a huge buffer to do whatever you want. It's definitely not easy to pressure somebody in Commander, and that's part of why aggro decks are so weak in the format. Yeah. How about Oathbreaker? No. So Oathbreaker games typically last under an hour. Mm -hmm. And if it's 1v1, it lasts like 5 to 10 minutes. And why do you think that is? They have 20 starting life. Uh, How about Brawl? No, the starting life total is lower. It's like 25 to 30 life, uh, depending on if you're playing single or multiplayer. One of the things that can happen with Brawl is if you have a bunch of people that don't want to attack each other, the cards are just less powerful, so you can get to a board stall. So I always found it was nice to have alt win cons or some way to mitigate that. So no, if you're all playing to win, but in general, the games are much faster. What can Commander do to prevent games from going too long? I would actually prefer if you, because this is something that you've advocated for in the past, so would you, would you actually want to talk about this, like what your answer to this question would be? Okay, sure. I think that Commander's starting life total should be lower. Aggressive decks are very bad in Commander. I have built many of them and been consistently disappointed, yeah. and it's not just my experience. I have heard from many other people complaining, why are aggro decks so bad? Well, it's because the life total is too high. So math this out, like, it's usually around 120 life that you have to get through. It's not 20, which is, like, most aggressive decks can do, like, 20 to 60 damage. Like, I know very easily some modern decks that just, with the pile of modern cards, you could do 60 damage over a game. So Mm -hmm. that gets through a lot of life gain and whatever. But 120 life... Not even counting anything in their deck and the life gain they may or may not have, or fog. Or frequent board wipes, which... Does that happen in Commander? Uh, You know, sometimes I think. I've been printing a lot of them. Right now, if you want to win a game of Commander, I feel like the best way to do it is just, like, grinding value and then having a combo finish. Yeah, that is probably the best archetype in Commander. Right now, there's this big imbalance, and, like, people complain about combos all the time, but you've designed a format that incentivizes them because like, well, it's really hard to attack people to death, but if I just go infinite, (laughs) then I definitely win. And I have a huge amount of time to do it because it's going to take forever for my opponents to attack through my 40 life. Yeah, and this is the reason why like Kakusho was banned a while ago, like originally when it was banned is because it's not the lowering other people's life it's the like my life is just insurmountable exactly and it made it very hard to attack people to death helping aggro would be good yeah it helps aggro it makes games it prevents games from going too long it nerfs combo which i don't think anyone is going to complain about uh moving on to the last disadvantage yes that commander has yes the multiplayer aspect can occasionally be frustrating some people playing for a second how does that make you feel yeah it feels really bad you're like you're specifically gonna lose so that i lose too Mm -hmm. and this is on top of people making bad decisions or being spiteful like there there are multiplayer aspects that can negatively influence like how a game plays out yeah and unfortunately that's true for commander It's true for Oathbreaker, and it's true for Brawl. Yeah, all three of these formats have that. So it's not so much a disadvantage specific to Commander, because any multiplayer format is going to have these problems, but it's still an unpleasant aspect of gameplay that could be addressed in some way by the Rules Committee. So what do you think they could do to help mitigate this problem? This is something the Rules Committee and the CAG kind of already is doing this too, promoting positive social norms like pro-social norms of gameplay talking about like hey there's these cards you don't like like why don't you like them hey there's some things you probably shouldn't do like hey just getting people to empathize and and communicate yeah Yeah, communication that's something that uh i i've been a huge advocate for Mm -hmm. and will continue to be is that like multiplayer formats require multiple people and you are going to have to discuss and talk about the format and the game with the people around you. If you go to an LGS, you should, in general, talk to people about, like, wouldn't it be better if this, or like, oh, don't you think that makes people upset when you do this? Having these conversations and kind of promoting 
positive social interactions is something we all should be doing, but the RC and the CAG kind of as the upper tier has like their hands on the reins. Those are all the recommendations we had. I'm just going to run through yes. how to promote the long-term health of Commander. Address player desires. Mm -hmm. For example, allowing Planeswalkers as Commanders, making bans that improve CEDH without affecting the majority of Commander games. Yep. yep. Communicate communities' expectations to Wizards yep. so that pre-cons sell well, yep. Wizards keeps making them. Mm -hmm. Promote Brawl as an on-ramp to Commander. Yes. Yeah, get yeah, players yeah. in the door. The rules committee can lower starting life totals to support aggressive strategies and make it so that combo is a, a little bit nerfed and games don't go quite so long. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Finally, they can promote pro-social norms. There's more things, I assume, out there that maybe you have an idea about that can increase the health of Commander, not even just now, just over time. And we would love to hear about them. And not even just us, just the world should know. Talk to your playgroups, talk to your stores you go to, tweet at like the RC or the CAG. Take the these more ideas. voices saying these ideas, yeah. the more likely they are to, to hit the right ears. Exactly. Like take these ideas, run with them, talk about them. If you can add more, improve upon something, you, you can come up with an answer that we weren't able to come up with. And please let us know what you thought about the assumptions on which we based yep. these arguments. Yeah. There may be some disadvantages that Commander has that we weren't thinking of that also need to be addressed yeah. to promote the long-term health of the format. There could be other advantages that Commander has. Let us know what you thought about this episode. Yeah, this was very, very much like on the high tower, looking down at the field of Commanders. Yeah, I think we mentioned like maybe four cards this episode. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to get back into some nitty-gritty stuff. We're going to have some cool mm. Magic Fest Las Vegas content. A lot of things coming. Before we go, I want to thank our Patreon patrons. They are Bradley, Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Eamon, Addison, Arthur, Mason, Will, Elvis, Rick, Laser, Raphael, Kyle, Charlotte, Andrew, Brock, Tom, The White Clays, Aubrey, and Hannah. Woo. Thank you all for supporting the show. And if you are yes. not currently a patron but would like to become one, you can go to patreon.com slash commander theory, get some cool rewards. We recently instituted a shirt tier. Yeah. It's basically a subscription, and we will send you new shirt designs every six months. Yeah. You get to work with an artist to help design the Commander-related shirt that you want to wear. It's very cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Check it out. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with me, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr. If you want to reach Zach, he is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter and Tumblr. The opening song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check them out on SoundCloud. We'll talk to you guys next time.